Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my traveling companion across the pond, Weston Hodkowitz. We're getting ready to head over to London for this Sunday morning showdown, at least morning in Wisconsin. It'll be the Packers and the Giants, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, 8.30 a.m. Central Time kickoff. It'll be 2.30 p.m. in London for us, Wes. And when you look at this Giants team, there's still some uncertainty as far as the quarterback injury situation. I think the Packers just prepare for Daniel Jones and adjust if, uh, if for whatever reason he's not able to go. But the preparation really for this Giants team starts with Saquon Barkley. It does, Mike. In the past few years, I think a lot of people, including myself, we all sort of forgot about Saquon a little bit because of the injuries, because of some of the issues that the Giants have had. Um, you know, just not a lot of success. And I thought, if anything, the month of September showed, one, this young man still has a lot of good football ahead of him, and two, how much his impact affects the ability for the Giants to win football games. Yeah. I mean, when you look at all three of their victories so far, Mike, they weren't blowing anybody out of the water. A lot of it came down to controlling the tempo, minimizing the turnovers, and honestly, just converting first downs. And when you have a running back that's you know running for five and a half yards per carry, 450 rushing yards in four games, you saw what he did against the Chicago Bears and really just sort of running right through Chicago's defensive front. That's where this is all going to start for them. So it doesn't matter. It does look promising at the time in which we're taping this. It, it kind of looks good for Daniel Jones to be out there. Uh, if he's not available for any reason, then I guess it would probably fall to Davis Webb, who it feels like, I know this is his second stint there, but it feels like he's been in New York for 18 years. <laughs> but regardless of who the quarterback is, Mike, there's a lot that holds true from last week's game against the Patriots. You have to be able to stop Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Otherwise, you're in for a very long morning. Yeah, and with regard to this Packers run defense, we've seen, as I talked about on uh, on our last episode, We've seen the swings, the roller coaster, the ups and downs. The the Packers go back to week two against the Bears. The Packers seem to be doing a pretty solid job defensively for the most part. And then all of a sudden, two possessions in the second half, the Packers couldn't stop the run. And the run game dictated the tempo. The Bears put together a couple of scoring drives. Um, and, and, you know, it felt like the game kind of flipped in that regard. 
then the Packers bounce back from a run defense standpoint against Tampa Bay. And we had talked all week about you have to be ready for Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady's going to be relying on this guy. He's a power back. He'll take the punishment. And it turned out the, the Packers defense put together the type of effort that Fournette only got a dozen carries in that game, which was surprising. Now, the Packers' ball control on the offensive side in the first half certainly played into that as well. But Fournette only had, what was it, 2.9 yards per carry or something like that uh, against the Packers. So they shored up you know, the, the problems from the Bears game. Then you fast forward to the New England game, and again, for the first half and and you know even into the second half, the Packers' defense was in a really good spot. Then all of a sudden, similar to the Bears game, two possessions, back-to-back possessions in the second half, where suddenly the Packers couldn't stop the run. The New England Patriots were marching down the field, dictating the tempo of the game. They get a couple of touchdowns. And suddenly that you know the game feels a little differently than it did you know for a while there. So um, the Packers want to iron out obviously the ups and downs and iron out the inconsistencies. But you know as I had said after the Bears game, heading into the the matchup with Fournette and the Buccaneers, sometimes when sometimes problems can get exposed at the right time, right? And and I think in a lot of ways the fact that the Packers are coming off of what happened to the run defense on those two drives against the Patriots is probably a good thing because of how important Saquon Barkley is going to be to the Giants and and the Giants trying to knock off the Packers here. Because it's no secret. That was the thing about the Patriots game. I think that's why there was a lot of Packer fans out there that were sort of incredulous after it because everybody knew the Patriots were going to have to run the ball. What I really was impressed by with Bill Belichick and the scheme that they ran was they were able to not be predictable with their run game, if that even makes sense. I mean, they, you know, threw a lot of things at them. And when you get the wide zone going, there's a lot of different ways you can attack a defense when you get them moving horizontally. Saquon is going to hit you in a lot of different spots. And you have to be aware not only of him dragging the pile a little bit for, you know, four or five yards when maybe there was only two or three that it looked to be there, but also what happens if you do let him get into space, you do get him matched up against one of your DBs, you have to give your defense a chance to succeed. Right now, the Giants have the number one ranked rushing offense in the National Football League. That is not by accident. But as I said in my intro, the fact that you look at the Giants and where they're at so far this season, 3-1, and one, they are the only team in the National Football League that has not forced an interception yet. They don't have any picks. Yeah. But yet they lead the NFL in forced fumble recoveries. They have four. They've only given the ball away, I think it was... I should say six times on yes, the yeah, force fumble. Yes, they have six fumble six recoveries fumble recovery. defensively. Yeah, and they only have five giveaways. So they still, despite not even having an interception, they're still plus one in plus the net one differential. The turnover. Yeah, that's pretty turnover. darn impressive. It tells you they're playing with discipline. But the one thing I noticed watching that game last week, and and seeing the the Giants play a little bit leading up to this, it's going to come down to that offensive line quite a bit because if you are able to stop Barkley or at least contain him on first and second down, this Giants offense is not built to pass. Uh, they, they just aren't good at it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Cowboys had huge, had huge pressure yeah. on Daniel Jones from beginning, middle, and end of that ball game. The Packers need to be able to dictate the pace because if you don't, it's going to be a, a really tough assignment allowing their offense to get going from there. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have 
hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, well, you mentioned the turnovers, and I think that's you flip this around and start looking at the Packers offense. To me, you know, yes, we, we've talked about the, the transition and bringing the rookie receivers along and, and working through the running backs and all those things and the Packers getting their offensive line sorted out up front. And we'll see if, uh, if there are any changes made or, or what the evolution might be there moving forward in still these, these early stages of the season. But to me, the most important thing that the Packers have to shore up offensively is protecting the football. This under Matt Lafleur, you look you look at the numbers three three full seasons, 2019, 20, and 21. The Packers did not have a streak of having a turnover in a game more than two consecutive games for three straight years. Packers have had a turnover, at least one turnover in every game this season. The streak is now at four. The highest turnover number for the Packers in a regular season under LaFleur is 13. They already have seven this season through four games. They're already halfway to what has uh, been their worst turnover season under Matt LaFleur just uh, uh, here in early October. If the Packers offensively can protect the football like they traditionally do in this offense, I think we start to see more efficiency and more consistency. To me, it starts there. It does because it's a possession-based offense. It's it's an idea. Basically, when Matt LaFleur's offense is clicking, and we've seen it at its best, it takes the old Dom Capers sort of defensive formula and it flips it on its head, which Dom's theory was the more plays, the fewer explosives you give up, the more plays you make the offense run, the higher percentage chance there's going to be of a turnover. Well, the offense looks at it under LaFleur of we're not going to turn over the football. We are going to hit you with some some small little victories and then eventually hit some explosives off of that. Green Bay has some big explosives this year. I think they were second in the league depending on what you define yeah, 15 to 20 yards. Depending on your definition, yeah. They've been able to create big plays and they've done them at timely, you know, times. If you're going to be down in the turnover differential, you have to win on third downs. You have to win the time of possession. And Green Bay has actually managed to do that for the most part. But again, you can only ride that so long. So that's where you really think, not only with Aaron Rodgers, but with some of these rookies, as guys start to get more settled into this offense, I would anticipate that you're going to be able to control that a little bit better than Green Bay has through the first month of the season. Because honestly, Mike, you look at that pass play that Rodgers had to Jones uh, a week ago, and Jones fumbles right on the goal line. Right. Those things just typically don't happen. One, you don't see Aaron Jones fumble like that. Two, being put in that position for a bang-bang play. I think those edges are going to get smoothed out over time. 
but it's one of those things that you are going to have to deal with in the first month of the season when you have an offense still finding itself. Yeah, and with regard to with regard to the the Packers, and I mentioned this in our Insider Inbox column this week, there are 11 teams in the NFL right now with a minus turnover margin. The Packers are the only one of those 11 that has three wins. You know, and when you think back to Aaron Rodgers' post-game uh, press conference after the win over the Patriots, and he was asked about the sustainability of winning this way. Yeah. To me, that's the that's the the biggest thing that sticks out is what's not sustainable is to is to stay in the minus turnover margin and to keep winning games. You know, over the course of four months in the NFL, that's not a sustainable way to uh, to, to stack up victories. So, but I agree with you. I think it's I, I think there are some of the rough edges here that are going that are going to get. Um, that are going to get worked out. And hey, look, Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He's already thrown three in the first four games of the season. That's also something that I don't think is going to is going to continue, um, because it's just not in it's it's not Rodgers' track record to yeah. you know to you know that for him to be on pace for you know double digit interceptions uh, you know on a season. So I think these things are going to sort themselves out. But again, this is a game I just I. I feel like the Packers are the better team. I feel like the Packers have the better roster. But the Giants have that the Giants have that one superstar player in Saquon Barkley you have to deal with and the Packers have this turnover issue that they need that they need to clean up or you're going to find yourself in a game just like you had against the Patriots last week where it comes right down to the end and and you're kind of wondering okay how are these guys with a third string quarterback taking the Packers all the way to the wire and 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 uh, I think the Packers need to you know, work their way out of that. Yeah, and to be honest to you, with you as well, the other factor that weighs heavily into the Giants' favor is they are playing with house money. A new head coach, they need one more win to tie their total from last yeah, season. Yeah, they just only had four wins last season. They've already got three under Brian Dable. I, I think for the veterans that are there, and I know there's been a lot of turnover with that roster the last two years, but the veterans that are there, they're seeing Saquon do what he's doing. They're going, okay, this is where we thought we were in 2018. This is where we thought we were in 2019. We have a, a future, a, a, something to point towards. Because that's what a running back can do. You look at what Derrick Henry did for the Tennessee Titans. It goes on and on and on. Nick Chubb and uh, the way he's been able to control ball games right now for, for Cleveland Browns. That's Barkley, and he's a guy that if he's healthy, they're going to be able to ride him. So Green Bay standpoint, Matt Floor said it. We talked about it in our last show. you got to be more physical. you got to close the gaps, and you can't be chasing down guys to catch them. You have to be able to meet them at the point of attack and bring down the ball carrier, which, by the way, when you talk about that run they got at the end of the game on Sunday, that's what ultimately they finally did. Yeah, yeah, they got, uh, they, they got things squared away in that regard when they had to have it in the clutch moment. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Here's the other part of this matchup that I think is really interesting, Wes, from a statistical standpoint. The Green Bay Packers are the number one defense in the league on third down in terms of the uh, opponent's conversion percentage, number two in the league 
the New York Giants. Yeah. So first and second in the league defensively going head to head in terms of uh, in terms of third down defense. So the money down um, it uh, it doesn't get any more important than uh, than when the matchup is uh, is this as far as what the statistics are saying about these two defenses. Yeah, and to be honest with you, there's very little about the Giants that I understand in terms of how they're doing this because when you bring up stats like that, and it's incredible, the fact that that, and then also the fact they're second in red zone defense right now. But at the same, So if you hear that stat, that they are second in the National Football League on third downs, what do you naturally think? Oh, they must be doing a good job against the run. They're really not. Right. I mean, they're 28th, 29th against the run. So it tells you that this is a unit that is being very opportunistic. They are sticking with plays. And honestly, probably a lot of weird little things happening in there that has led to this point. But the fact of the matter is, I think this is definitely a game where the third downs will be something that contributes to who wins this game. Because as much as we're going to talk about Saquon Barkley and for the right reasons with what that young man's doing right now, the New York Giants are looking at A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones as a potential problem as well. And I thought last week, Mike, once Green Bay started mixing the, the run with the pass a little bit better, we saw glimpses of it in the first half. Certainly the Christian Watson touchdown drive where all they did was run the ball. Right. When those two things are married up, that's when this offense is in its most rhythmic sync. Yeah. And that's going to be a huge challenge against a – New York Giants defense that I think by a lot of measurables has outperformed itself. Yeah, all right. Well, we've talked about containing Barkley, dealing with uh, the turnover margin, um, the uh, the importance of third downs. Anything else that stands out to you in terms of a, a key to victory here as the Packers head over the ocean? The Packers have the better quarterback, and that's not any disrespect to, to Daniel Jones. I know he's taken a lot of hits. I've been impressed by some of the throws, frankly, he's made this season playing yep. behind that offensive line. But at the end of the day, you have a Green Bay Packers team, quarterbacked by Aaron Rodgers, probably playing in front of an extremely friendly crowd at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think that's going to be an interesting story here, not to interrupt no. you, but just what is the atmosphere going to be like in Tottenham Hotspur? I have a feeling that the green and gold Packer Nation, the Packer fans are going to take over the place. And uh, um, I, I, I'm excited and, and anxious and eager and all that to just see what it's going to feel like and sound like in that, uh, in that stadium when the ball kicks off on Sunday. Yeah, and one thing that's going to be critical, too, is Matt LaFleur telling his guys, I mean, yes, you probably will have a lot of fans there, but don't necessarily look at this as a straight home game because as much as I think the New York Giants are going to have to probably be on a silent count and are going to have a lot of things working against them, Green Bay may still have some of that too because you have an international fan base, people that have waited their entire lives to watch Aaron Rodgers play that are probably going to be pretty jacked up too. This isn't going to be the <laughs> typical, hey, everybody be quiet. It's time for the Packers to play offensive football. It could be 60 minutes of just roaring, you know. So, <laughs> But at the same time, Matt LaFleur said it all week long. Pat O'Donnell, some of these other people we've talked to, you have to be able, whoever prepares the best going into this thing, just in their preparation on the field, the game plan, how the bodies are reset once you get over into England, that's probably going to go a long way in who wins this game because when we talk about Saquon Barkley, he is a dynamic football player, but how is the Packers' defensive line feeling at that time? How, how are their linebackers feeling? Where are the people, these players' bodies at it yeah. at that juncture? It's going to be critical. Yeah, it almost feels like the physical preparation in terms of the players' bodies is, is 
paramount in a week like this over the game planning and the X's and O's and stuff. Not to say that you that you you know ignore the game plan part of it, but whatever game plan is put together feels like it's not necessarily going to be repped as much in practice as uh, certainly not at full speed as in a normal week because uh, because there's so much focus on making sure these players' bodies are going to be in shape and ready to go for a you know for a full 60 minute contest come Sunday so that's uh, um, that's certainly another factor here and and uh, and something that the you know as we've talked about before the bulk of the players on this Packers roster have not been through this international. I don't, I don't know what the ratio is in terms of the Giants, but the bulk of the Packers roster has not been through this before. I didn't get a chance to look it up before the show. I want to do this before locker room, though, and I don't know if he's going to talk this week, but Mercedes Lewis had, I think, his fabled game out in London where he had the three touchdowns. The three touchdown catches? A number of years ago. I'm trying to remember whether or not that's the last time he actually did play in London. But basically, you had to be on a different team if you were going to play over there. Alan Lazard, like I mentioned before, you know, he was with Jacksonville on their practice squad yeah, when they yeah. went over. Uh, Eric Wilson, if we get a chance to talk to him in the locker room this week, uh, I'd be very interested to hear if he went last week with the Saints uh, because he's a member right. of their practice squad. Yeah, he was on their practice if squad. If he's doing four trips across the Atlantic <laughs> uh, to, to, to earn his NFL paycheck, that'll be, a, that'll be a pretty interesting little story. But, yeah, for a lot of guys, I think it's going to be these coaches instilling into them because the Packers coaching staff has the most experience of anyone, the Basaccias, the Lafleurs. They're the guys that are going to have to go back to these players and telling them what to expect and what this plan is going to be and why the plan is structured that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes, and then uh, I want to chat a little bit about the rest of Week 5 around the NFL. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, elsewhere, week five in the NFL, as far as the NFC North is concerned, pretty big matchup. Chicago is at Minnesota, the 2-2 two and two Bears, the 3-1 and one Vikings. An interesting one there with, uh, with um, regard to the division implications. And then Detroit has to go to New England now, and the Lions... Um, the Lions looking to uh, avoid dropping to one and four. They have the highest scoring offense in the league right now, um, but Detroit's defense has not been able to to get the job done, and uh, and so the Lions are sitting at one and three when they've piled up a ton of points through the first month of the season. And this is going to be very interesting because it's probably going to come down to which phase performs better for Detroit and uh, how they win this game. I mean. Because as many issues as, as Detroit has had stopping teams, they're going up against a New England team that could very likely be starting a rookie quarterback uh, going into it while trying to replicate kind of what they did against Green Bay this past week. But I am interested to see where Detroit heads from here. Amon Ross St. Brown, what is his status? They were right. missing him last week. T.J. Hawkinson went freaking off uh, in the interim there, had one of his big career-defining days. You know, same thing with, you know, DeAndre Swift. What is he? What is things looking like for him? Detroit has it, man. I, I've said it time and time again. I like the way they've built this roster. I feel like they're taking steps in the right direction. But when you look at two one-win teams like this in, in the Patriots and Lions, it is that reminder that I said on our last show that it is difficult to win in this league. And one of those teams is going to, you know, walk out of there with one win still uh, five weeks into the season. Chicago going to to Minnesota. Yep, U.S. I think Bank. That's a gut check game for the Bears. Yep, absolutely. 
offensively, they need to start finding themselves yep. if they're going to be a real legitimate, viable playoff team this season. Maybe they won't be, but I feel like with Justin Fields, man, you need to start making some steps here. You need to start making some progress because right now through the first month of the season, it's been wildly inconsistent and the passing game has just been non-existent. Yeah, and it's interesting because the Vikings at 3-1, and one, in a lot of ways, people people are talking a lot about the Vikings the same way they are about the Packers in terms of Yes, winning games, but but there are all kinds of flaws, right? Yeah. And and games that are coming down to the wire. I mean, the way the Vikings came back and beat the Lions, the Vikings looked dead in the water for three and a half quarters against Detroit. Then they end up pulling it out at the end. They go to London, and the Saints have a bunch of injuries, like we talked about on our last on our last show. But then they have to survive a a potential game tying field goal to uh, to get out of London with with a victory over the Saints. But the bottom line is they're three and one, and they are playing at home with a heck of a chance to get to four and one. So, uh, so the Packers will need to win in London um, to uh, to keep pace if the if the Vikings do get to four and one. A couple other games that just jumped out at me in terms of uh, NFC matchups: the Cowboys are at the Rams, the Eagles, the only undefeated team in the league, at the Cardinals. Cowboys have been getting wins with Cooper Rush filling in for Dak Prescott. The Rams will be playing at home coming off of a really rough offensive performance against the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. And then the, you know, the Cardinals, you know, they they've been they've been an up and down team. Are they going to be, you know, the team that, you know, will the Cardinals team that uh, that everybody knows plays the way they're capable of playing? potentially knock off an undefeated Eagles team or are the Cardinals going to continue to, you know, kind of ride ride this roller coaster and and the Eagles get to uh, potentially 5 and 0 here. The thing that concerns me about the Cardinals, I wouldn't even call it a roller coaster. I just think it's been a de-escalation. I mean, they started so hot last year and this beginning of this season feels like how they ended last year, where it's just a lot of 500 football, it's a lot of, you know, losing close games and you know, from the other standpoint of it, Philadelphia's been impressive. Yeah, they um, have. The one thing, you know, Jalen Hurts is phenomenal. They have one of the best defenses in the league. They lead the league in turnover differential. But the commitment that the Eagles have shown to their run game and to Miles Sanders, to being able to get that aspect of things down, that was where the train kind of got off the tracks a little bit with Doug Peterson. The running game just it, it had a number of different faces. It didn't really have an identity, and they weren't really – consistently dedicating themselves to it with Jalen Hurts and the way that they're building this offense around him that emphasis is in place and you're seeing more and more how this young man can create explosive plays based on establishing a running game and that's what makes to me uh you know the Eagles one of the scariest teams in the National Football League right now because they can beat you in so many different ways yeah the Eagles sort of they got to establishing that that running game last year and they were able to get enough wins put enough together to get into the playoffs and yes they got knocked out in the first round but you could see the foundation that they were building last year under under coach Nick Sirianni and now it's carried over to where that that foundation offensively has shifted to this year Jalen Hurts obviously has more experience learned a heck of a lot from from everything that he did last year and uh, and they're they're uh, they're stacking up wins and doing so in in pretty impressive fashion. Yeah. Any thoughts on the Cowboys playing at the Rams? Assuming you know, it sounds like Cooper Rush is still going to be the quarterback for the Cowboys. This would be a this would be a big one for the Cowboys to get. By the same token, the Rams, defending Super Bowl champs, 
um, looking to avoid dropping to uh, to two and three and being under 500 potentially. Starting to wonder more and more if the Cowboys have something in Cooper Rush. Uh, the more I watch him, and I'm not trying to put him in the Hall of Fame, definitely not doing the quarterback controversy thing, but right. Jason Garrett was such a huge fan of his, and he he kind of gives sort of those not Tony Romo either because but. He, like in that way where Romo took three years to develop after coming out of a small school, Rush coming out of a, a Mac school, I just, Mike, when you watch him play, he's so darn poised yeah. back there. He just yeah, runs he doesn't the get system. Rattled. Yeah, he doesn't get rattled at all. No, and, and for them to be 3-1 and one, when I think there's a lot of people wondering, oh, my God, Dak goes down, what does this mean for McCarthy? You give Mike credit. I mean, they've, they've rallied the troops there. The Rams are such a Jekyll and Hyde team right now, man, because, again, like I was just saying about the Eagles with their run game, it's non-existent right now for L.A. Um, whatever that reason is, whether it's the Cam Akers coming back from the injury or, or you know Henderson not dedicating themselves to it, a lot of this has kind of shifted onto the shoulders of Matthew Stafford, and Stafford has been up and down. They haven't been able to get Allen Robinson going yet so far this season. Uh, Cooper Cup is sensational. Yeah. My God. I mean, they're using him the way that the Packers use Devontae Adams. Backfield, outside slot. 100%. He is, he's sensational. 100%. But that's their go-to right now, and they haven't really had a lot of things that they can shift back towards in the red area and some of the other aspects of this game that you're going to need to to win. Yeah, well... Pretty soon here, we have to catch a flight, and it's going to be a long one, so uh, we'll get uh, we'll get prepared for that, and we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. Wes and I both will be in London to cover Sunday's big game at Tottenham Hotspur against the Giants. We will have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.